0: To God be the glory. Hmm. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. It's a privilege, a blessing, and you might even say a miracle. Um, Many of you know I was pretty ill, so there's no other way for me to begin this service but to say, Thank you for praying for me. Yeah. My church family has to know that not only do I thank you for your prayers, I, have, I thank God for hearing your prayers. He's the star of this show. Because I really believe the only reason I'm here standing here able to do this today is because he acted In response to your earnest prayers. He's promised to do that. And he is a faithful God. Well, clearly God wasn't done with me yet. And so you have to put up with me again. But it's a privilege to be here. And I just wanted to let you know how much I love you all. And how much I greatly, greatly appreciate you praying for me. It made all the difference. It made all the difference. Father, if we approach this message this morning, I pray that we'd use this humble servant to say what you once said, that you would have your word magnified, that you would open people's eyes and ears to hear and to appreciate the truth that you communicated with us in your word. Father, you do the job this morning of making it real to each person here, and we'll trust your Holy Spirit for giving us the ability to speak and to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is part four of our four-part series on the Holy Spirit, and today I want to share with you two important truths related to this that God did for each one of us that we had nothing to do with. It's not about how you have to put in practice your gifts, fan your gifts into flame, um, how you have to be filled with the Spirit. All of those were gifts too. These two gifts are things that God has done in you and for you that you didn't help. And so the two things we're going to be talking about this morning is regeneration and sealing. Um, We're going to just understand what God says, what was the basis that got you into God's family in the first place. And the second thing is, why is it important that God shared with us that he sealed us? Because I'm guessing that most of you haven't really pondered the fact that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit for quite a while. It wasn't for me until I started studying. But it's something I'm going to think about a lot more because of that. So we're going to look at two passages this morning. The first is in Titus. Chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. So please turn there with me right now. Scroll through your phones, whatever you do. We'll begin reading at verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Not a pretty picture. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly, Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Much of the world today, I think, is caught up attempting or trying to work hard enough, to do enough... To satisfy what their minds believe God would expect and require of them. So they could be acceptable. They could make it to heaven. Um, Does the good outweigh the bad? But people who do this really seem not to recognize that God's standard has never been a C. C plus. Uh, Good outweighing bad. See God cannot even tolerate... One drop of sin in an ocean of a life. So who can live up to that standard? There's only been one. There's only one person in the history of the world that has lived a perfect life and that was Jesus Christ. We don't have a chance. Even if you tried today, you believed everything I said, you're going to live perfectly from here on. What about the past? What do we do with that? How did God say we should respond to this well let's look at five aspects of this work of regeneration that the Holy Spirit has accomplished in our lives and uh, I'm hoping oh good, I'm hoping there's some points here that we can follow along with uh, the first point in order to understand why regeneration is even important or, or what, why is it significant is you have to understand our condition so, before we jump into Titus 3 5, well, let's quickly remember what every human's condition is according to Ephesians 2 1. It says, We are dead. We just sang about this. I was dead, but you brought, let me see the light. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Every human's condition was a spirit that was dead to God. You know, our bodies may have been alive, we were walking around, but our spirits. We're dead. And spiritually dead men and women can do nothing, can receive nothing, can want nothing of God. It's impossible. In fact, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. You can even make an incredible offer like, tell you what, I'm going to give you the opportunity to have eternal life and live with God in heaven forever. And it's just like waving a million dollar bill in front of a physically dead man. They cannot respond. Why? They're dead. You were dead. I was dead. Everyone, the planet, was on a level playing field. Dead was our condition. So what did God do? Did God say, well, they got themselves into this mess. Let them get themselves out. That's not what we read. What do we read in verse 4 and 5? But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, Jesus appeared. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Wow. Isn't this good news? God stepped in. What, What does the dead person need to do to revive himself? He can't do anything. God stepped in. God stepped in the scene and God saved us. Well, how did he do that? It says here, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So what even is regeneration? That's not a word we use a lot every day. I think regeneration is a word that carries with it several meanings. Um, It means new birth. Reproduction, renewal, recreation. It means bringing something out of nothing that was dead. Right? Um, When we think about this, it makes what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3.3 come alive. He said, unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. Jesus even knew, we're dead and we can do nothing until we're born again. So we hear those types of words about being saved. Um, It's interesting to me that um, we use terms like being born again. Or we're a new creation in Christ according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Or we have been made alive in Christ. That's what 1 Corinthians 15.22 says. In fact, Ephesians two five, just a little bit over, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. This is step one. Everybody should understand right now that all of us had no chance unless God stepped in. Nothing we did. Just like no child. I mean, can you imagine a child saying, I created myself, through, I made my parents... And my conception happened. That would be an insane thought. What child had a part in his conception? Nothing. Just like we have no part in our new birth from God. It's all of God. So this is my point. It's all of God. Not apart from you. Not a little bit from you. He saw your effort. He gave you an A plus for effort and stepped in. No. All of God. You had no part in your new birth. In fact Jesus said this in John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him to them gave he the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood or of the will or of the flesh or of the will of man. But of God. You hear? This is all about God. But see, just as we can't entice a dead person with a million dollar bill, God couldn't even entice us with eternal life until he made us alive. Couldn't do it. Well, what's the basis of God's actions? Simply, we read it right here. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds. Interesting. All this trying, all this working, all this effort. Has no part. It says... Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Which means there's a lot of deeds we did not in righteousness, right? But the deeds we think count are the ones we did in righteousness. Well, according to uh, Isaiah 64, all of our best efforts, our highest achievements, are just as pleasing to God as filthy and polluted rags. So what's our hope here? It says here, but according to his mercy. Wow, aren't you glad God had mercy on you? What made him have mercy on you? Because you were worthwhile? You were an all-star and he looked at you and go, ooh, I got to save that guy. That gal. Uh Uh-uh. Mercy is undeserved favor. Undeserved. When we don't get the punishment we're due, that's mercy. And we deserved punishment. Well, let's move on because As a result of this. What should it tell us? There should be no proud Christians. In this room. And sometimes I think we grow. As we grow in our Christian life. And forget more and more of the life of sin. We might have even left. That I'm feeling pretty good. God did really good to save me. I'm a worthwhile member of the team. No. No 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 no. We are all. Rescued from the same starting point, dead. Dead. Uh, is, uh, can someone say I was a little more dead than you, a little less dead than you? There is no bragging for the Christian, not before one another and not before God. Well, regeneration was an act of the Holy Spirit. So we see in this passage, once again, it's magnificent. It's not just God the Father doing something or the Son dying on the cross for our salvation. We see all three members of the Godhead participating in our rescue. And it says here, But according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing, by who? By the Holy Spirit. See, we all see that God stepped in The father said I love them. I must have mercy on them. He sent his son to rescue us and he sent the spirit to make us alive so we could even want the offer. It's incredible to me. I want to move on because we have lots to go. It's almost impossible to understand all that goes into regeneration or our salvation. I don't think any human can really grasp and fathom how big God's salvation really is for us. But it's Critical that we remember we cannot be saved without faith in Jesus Christ, right? And we know that a dead person neither wants or can receive anything from God, including saving faith. So what's God's predicament? He has to make us alive first. But it doesn't have to be a long time. It could be In fact, we probably can't even measure the nanoseconds between regeneration and salvation. We must understand clearly in scripture there is very salvation and regeneration cannot be separated. They're inseparable. But we know we must be made alive first. So there's two things we have to understand about this. Maybe three. Our new birth even gives us the ability to want God. Dead people don't want God. You get it? If people are dead, they don't want anything. We can't want even a great offer like eternal life. So for us to even put our faith in Christ, God had to wake us up, make us alive, and impart faith that we can put in Christ. According to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it was a gift. This faith was a gift. So what? So that no man can boast none of us not one of us in here got in by their own merits I'm sorry I mean, you might have thought so but no not one. Second, this, this regeneration has given us new birth and new life but what kind of life is it? was it extended temporal life? is that what God did? he, he woke us back up and said I know you're going to die again soon but I just wanted you to be awake long enough so you could accept this no He said he gave us eternal life. And eternal life. You got to get it. Is not just long life. Sometimes we just. Think of eternity as a very long time. So eternal life is life that lasts a very long time. You know the wicked dead will be resurrected. And will live a long time. But they won't have God. They won't be in God's presence. And they will be in torment. But. God says, I'm going to give you eternal life, which is the God quality of life. The life I'm going to give you is going to be the same spiritual quality of life as God has himself. You're given the same quality of life as God. You now get to enjoy fellowship with God. You get to be in heaven with God. You get to enjoy the same things that God enjoys. You see, we have to appreciate that the life that God has given us through this regeneration is not just a wake-up call so we can put faith in Christ. He's given us a life that will be just like God's spiritual life that we can enjoy fellowship with Him forever. We have been given eternal life. That's what Jesus promised, is it not? John three sixteen. If you believe in me, you will have eternal life. This is the Spirit delivering on Jesus' promise. Third, the regeneration of God creates in us a brand new and a divine nature. See, I wish he would have done it differently, really. God has created a new nature in us, but he didn't eliminate the old. Did you know your old sin nature still hangs around? I mean, it didn't go wait in the car when you became a Christian. When you became a Christian, God gave you a new nature... That once God, once the things of God, has anybody in here experienced the things that you used to love, you now hate? And the things you used to hate, you now love? Where do you think that came from? This is right here, the gift of the Spirit. He gave you a new nature that it would appreciate the things of God. In fact, if you don't appreciate the things of God, you might want to ask yourself some questions. If you don't, like I mean, what person before they knew Christ said, I can hardly wait to go hang out at church on a Sunday morning. I I just want to hang out with the people these Christians, these people of God I just want to hang with them they're so cool I've never heard an unbeliever say that but if you don't feel these things in your heart then I would ask yourself some questions because these are gifts of the Holy Spirit to you of a new nature God wants you to appreciate the things that he appreciates to hate the things he hates and now through the Holy Spirit we have power to say no to the old sinful nature And now we get to say, well, what nature should I follow? Put on the new man. Put off the old. We're supposed to actively get in gear, put on the new nature. Live by it. Listen to it. Follow it. God will give you the power. You just need to want to know who to follow. God gives us all new desires. Well, this is interesting. I just got to roll on because time flies. couple conclusions we can draw here is that uh, working to please God will never work if you're still doing it even as a Christian stop sometimes I've, I've met Christians that they, they, they haven't been able to do enough for God to, to make them make feel good that's an affront to God that's an affront to his salvation for it's Christ alone that satisfies him not our works even after you're saved it's not your works now, does he want us to work? Sure, because he's given us his appetite, his new nature that wants to do things for God, wants to serve God, not out of obligation, not out of gaining points, but because we joy it. So stop. Second, none of us in this room would have had the faith to believe in Jesus if God hadn't given it to you and made you alive. We all started from the same place. Some of us, I've heard it, I've heard it. He didn't have to reach down quite as far from me as you. You know, you were the prostitute tax collector. I was up here. I was the good boy. I was a John Boy Walton. I, I was right up here. And, but, well, maybe you had to reach here. I'm telling you, he, every one of us, he had to go all the way to the bottom with death. All the way to the slime, all the way to the bottom, there 's not one person here, there 's not one person here that he didn't have to reach as far to get. And there 's not one person that 's out of his reach. Can you sin too much for God? No, God can rescue anyone. In fact, I was just talking with some and the other. it 's not in my sermon, and i 'm going to waste time. OK, Sin. Is a construct of a created being. Satan started it. And we continue it. Can anyone as a created being. Outdo the grace and mercy. Of an infinite God. That should give everyone hope. There's not one sinner. Too dirty. Too bad. Too evil. That God cannot rescue. Because his grace is infinite. This is what God does to us. Through the Holy Spirit in regeneration. He gave us new life. But I think the third thing it should do for us is we need to be emboldened in our gospel witness. Can you hurt, if you were a doctor and you walked in and says, well, I don't want to do this. I don't know if I'm good at this surgery. Well, he's dead. What damage are you going to do here? When we're talking to the lost, we're talking to the dead. How much damage can you do to them? Don't fear speaking God's message to the world. Only God will quicken it in their heart and make it real anyway. It won't be because of your eloquence. It won't be because of your talent. Or because of your knowledge. You can answer every Bible question. You're the Bible answer man. You don't need any of that. You need the gospel. Jesus Christ sinful man, lost without Christ, Christ came as a virgin, born of a virgin, died on a rugged cross for not his sins but ours, paid the full price, rose from the dead to authenticate that God accepted the payment and he has victory over life and he reigns on high and if you put your faith in Jesus, you will be saved, you will be given eternal life, you will give him a new nature, this is the promise of God, that's it. If you can't say those things to your neighbor, to your friend, then I don't know what's going on. That's all you need to have. God does the rest. Because it won't mean... You could be Billy Graham in front of them. If God does not quicken their heart, they will not respond. Be not afraid, flock. Share. Share. Well, we got to roll. I just want to move on because the second work of the Spirit is also important. And I think many of you haven't thought of sealing in I don't know how long. So let's read the verses in first I mean Ephesians one verses thirteen and fourteen. So turn with me to Ephesians 1, 13 and fourteen. Or you can follow along up here. In him you also after listening to the message of truth and what is that message of truth? It's the gospel of your salvation. Having also believed, believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, what great words. God, thank you. Do you get it? What we have to understand is that we have been sealed why did God want us to know that I'm going to try to cover this a little quicker than we covered regeneration but why did God think that was important well let's look. what's the purpose or the nature of a seal in the first place well a seal has maybe three or four aspects one is identification and ownership we, I mean mankind has been branding cows with a brand since the 2000 3000 BC in Egypt they want to know whose cow it is. My dad used to have a set of tools. And every, he grabbed my mom's red fingernail polish. I couldn't always believe that. And he'd paint a red stripe around every one of his tools. Every one. I go, come on, dad. We're the only ones using them here in the garage. But when he would go help a friend at church or something. And they'd do a joint project. When they cleaned up all the tools. Only the ones with the red stripe were his. God knows whose are his. He has put his seal on them. He's not ashamed to identify himself with you. He has put his, as it were, his initials on you. You belong to him. You were bought at a price. That's why we're supposed to glorify God with our bodies. What did he tell us? He said, I believe so much. That I'm going to identify myself with you. I'm going to put my ownership. And so it's a visible to the world. See an identification mark that's not visible is not very useful is it? God has made his identification mark in us visible through our redeemed lives. We testify that we belong to God. God says let your light so shine before men that men may see your good works and glorify who? Your father who is in heaven. See the point here is we're supposed to identify ourselves with God through this seal. You've been sealed by God because he's marked you as his. Second, security and protection. Um, Well, Let's do authenticity and authority first. Signet rings have been used throughout history. We see it with Pharaoh and Joseph in Genesis 41. We see it in Esther chapter 8 with Mordecai and Xerxes. Xerxes tells him whatever you seal with my signet ring it carries the power of the throne and it's irrevocable and he gave it to Mordecai God has done the same with his seal he's given it to us he has not only sealed us as a thing but he's put his seal upon us and deputized us and authorized us as they're authentically mine you have a piece of paper that you can't see that has God's stamp on it it's on your heart he can't stamp a cold, unregenerate heart, but he can stamp a warm heart on fire for him. And he puts his stamp on you. And now you're authorized to do what? The king's business. There's, no one to, there's not a government on this planet that can stop you or have anything to say about what you're doing to gospel, share the gospel and to do the king's business. Because you have an authority from him because he has sealed you. You have his seal. Are you emboldened? Do you understand you have his authority? That's why he called us to be his ambassadors. To speak for him. Well, let's roll. Security and protection. We've all seen wax seals on letters, on packages. They're usually put there by the sender to make sure it wasn't tampered with until it arrives. So it's a protection. Some of you might have uh, understood that Pilate and the Pharisees, they were worried that, somebody would steal the body of Jesus. So they said they sealed the stone in front of the tomb. What was that about? That's a protection. That's a security device. Well, how about this one? Uh, Anybody can? Anybody had a grandmother, mother, somebody in their family that set up jams, jellies, preserves. Anybody do that? Man, there's only like four people left on the planet that know how to can. Well, there's a couple. One of the things they do for jams is they put the stuff in the jar and they cover it with a paraffin wax. Anybody ever seen that? There's a paraffin wax. What's that wax seal for? To prevent bugs and dirt from getting in and preventing the jam from getting out. So what's our seal? The Holy Spirit. Now is anything going to break through the Holy Spirit? If you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, what is going to break that seal? Nothing! Nothing! You have been preserved, you've been secured, you've been protected for the journey home. We're going to look at that in a second. Well, the last thing is we'll cover later. It's the promise of a pledge inheritance. Who is sealed and when? Well, we say that every believer is sealed. You didn't have to do something special. This is not just for the elect believers, the grade A believers. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were sealed. You may not have known it, but you have God's seal on you. You're his. And he's documented it. Now, the question is there's some people that think I have to do a little more. I have to earn this. No. It happened the moment. What? What does it say? Having believed, you were sealed. When God regenerated you, gave you saving faith, you put faith in Christ and were believing and he saved you, instantly you were sealed. There wasn't a millisecond that you haven't been protected since you put your faith in Christ. There's not been one gap in his coverage. He's going to get you home. He is going to get you home. Well, who's the sealer? It's the Father. We read that in 2 Corinthians 1:22. The person doing the sealing is God. And what did he give as the seal? Well, the person into whom we are sealed is Jesus Christ because it says that right here having sealed in him you were sealed in him who's in him it's in Jesus so God has put us into Jesus and sealed us with the Holy Spirit now did the Holy Spirit when he sealed us put like a band-aid over the top of us pour some paraffin wax on put a rope over it click a lock put a paper seal a stamp no it says here the seal himself is God himself in the Holy Spirit Your seal is God, the Holy Spirit. That's why we have confidence. What can break God? Can you? Can you get out? Can anything get in that he doesn't want in? No. So you should what? Relax and enjoy the journey. Because you will make it. It's his promise. His word. His seal. That's why he sealed you for the journey. That's what he says. You were sealed according to Ephesians four thirty, until the day of redemption. He's got a due date on that seal, and that seal is I'm going to see you safely home. And until you get the rest of the inheritance, I promised you. You getting it? You're supposed to enjoy the journey now because you don't have to worry about it. what kind of a testimony would a Christian give. I, I hope you accept my Jesus. I don't know if we're going to land or not. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get there, but uh, uh, he's really good. Jesus wants to know. Nervous children. If you're nervous. You need to get in the word. And see what God has done for you. And what he's protected you with. And how he's protected you. You can't be nervous. What you're doubting. Is God himself. Not just something he's done. He's the seal. He is the seal. That's why I think Jesus said. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand, and my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of his hand. So now we 've got jesus hand, the father 's hands on that, and the seal of the Holy Spirit wrapped around the whole thing. Can you get out? No, relax and trust in him. He will see you through the journey. Now, this world is pretty nerve- nerve-wracking at times, isn't it? I mean we've got wars. Might be nuclear war. Should we worry? We will land safely because we're sealed and protected by. Do you think a nuclear bomb would hurt God? He could snuff that out with a. No. We should not be afraid of anything this world can throw at us or Satan can throw at us. We need to know we're going to be home safe. And it's not because of our effort, it's not because we did enough. It's because he's promised and sealed us. Well, let's just conclude. I think we have to understand a couple things. Our loving God doesn't want his children nervous, he doesn't want them unassured. Now, can we do things that will make us unassured? You bet. You grieve the Holy Spirit. You do what he says not to do. In fact, it says if we evangelize, when we share the gospel, we get greater assurance. The scripture says that. So when we do what God tells us to do, we have greater assurance. The spirit reinforces within us. When we cry out to God and seek him first, and Abba Father, like Matthew said in the first sermon, it says his spirit testifies to our spirit that we are a child of God. When we seek him first, He gives us assurance. But he's also promised that he sealed us for the journey. See, I think sometimes we think that some things can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. We take exception to Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. What did he say? Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and why is that? because he has got us father's got us and we're sealed I just think we think too hard about what I'm doing for God God has done all the things that need to be done God's done them all second there's a coming day when the rest of God's promises will be delivered and this is why you were sealed for the day of redemption the day of redemption is what? That's the day that he redeems our bodies. He redeems us. We have a redeemed and resurrected body. We are going to be in an environment where there is no sin. There is no death. There is no sorrow. There is no pain. There is no separation. We will be with God forever. Nothing ever to separate us. We won't even want to sin Why? Because the first installment of his redemption plan was what? He gave us Jesus and we are freed from the penalty of sin those who trust in Jesus are free from the penalty of sin when we trust in Jesus he gives us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives us the power over present sin this new nature helps and the Spirit lets us live the way God wants us to live but we are not yet free from the presence of sin the third installment of his redemption plan will come when we get our glorified body and we will be freed forever loosed of this body that we have that contains in us our sin nature it'll be gone he's promised in fact what he said I'm so sure of this promise when somebody puts a down payment when, when somebody puts $10,000 on a house sometimes it's like it's a non-refundable deposit you, you break the deal I keep your money I think in this standpoint God's saying I'm so confident I'm putting my third member of the Godhead the Holy Spirit as my promise as my pledge that I'm going to make this happen it's like I'm almost willing to lose the third member of the Godhead if I could but he's not going to. He's not going to. Because that promise will be fulfilled in each one who puts trust and faith in Christ. Well, there's another thing here. When he puts a seal on you, I hope you feel empowered to share and to be on the king's business. Do you do you do you see God right behind you clapping you on, saying, Yes, you have my seal, go do my work. You've been empowered. You've got my deputy's badge on that says, God, I represent God. When you, when you contradict what I say about the gospel, you're contradicting God. We, we should be feeling empowered to share his good news. So what I guess I would tell you is relax as much as you can and try to enjoy the journey that God has secured for you. Don't worry that the tram is going to break down. The tram will not break down. You're going to make it. Be bold to share the good news and know that your inheritance has been guaranteed by the third member of the Godhead. And he will deliver. God cannot lie. Well, as the passage tells us, you and I will never have confidence. That our eternity will be in heaven with God without first believing the gospel about our Lord Jesus Christ. The seal of God's ownership and the protection and the security we've talked about will never be yours without step one. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust God that he'll quicken you and say, if I want it, if you want it, that means he's already made you want it. You don't have to question God. Well I may not be the one he's picked. No. If you want it. He is. He's already confirmed it. Act on it. Don't resist. Don't wait another minute. You don't have another minute maybe. You may not. We may not make, make it out of this service. God may either return. Or we'll all die. Who knows. We aren't guaranteed another minute. Please. 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 Put your trust in Jesus today. And He will make you alive, give you a new nature, give you eternal life give you the ability to be sealed and known as God's he will make sure that you make it through the journey you have his authority to share his word let's do that this week But while I'm, I'm going to pray after another announcement one of the things that I wanted to do that the elders want to do is I'm sharing a message on behalf of them that uh, we don't often get to be on the same page, and we want to be a transparent church. And so I'm gonna, I have a statement here that all of us kind of worked on, and some of us worked on, and I just want to make sure that I get most of the things and don't wander off the path because I have little time. But I want to share this with you. Um, as we move through the challenges in front of us, um, we wanted to take this opportunity to share with you our beloved church, some information about the things that are going to be happening going forward. Um, I know many of you, especially since uh, the departure of Paul Crandall, have asked about how we're going to respond to some of these changes and understand better. Um, the elders believe that which direction the elders are taking, or we believe God wants to take us. Because the leader of this church, let me say that, is Jesus. None of us men are qualified... None of us are qualified without Jesus. None. We, we're not brainiacs. We're mere men with a, with a role that God has given us and we trust the Holy Spirit's power that we can do it as well as we can because Jesus is in charge. He can shut us down in a minute and he can make us blossom. If we don't do what he wants us to do, he can shut us down. But we want to follow him. We want to exalt him, and we want to honor him. So let me begin first with, some of you have asked this and have confusion about leadership. Uh, they they kind of say, well, when Paul's gone, who's the leader here? Um, we don't necessarily understand the question, and let me share it this way. Uh, we believe that the leadership of Valley Bible Church is in place like it always has been since the 90s, when we became an elder-led church. There's two bodies that really govern and lead the church. Uh, when our senior pastor and founding pastor, uh, Philip Howard, was chairman of the elders, the elders and the men that served on the council with him handled the business of the church of defending the doctrine, accountability for staff, approval of ministry direction, setting policies and approving budgets when necessary, a ministry's uh, oversight, in a sense, and objectives of the church. The elder council still does those things. And there still is a group of men that are accomplishing that task well what's the other part of the leadership of the church well there's the actual day to day administration and management of staff well when we had this our senior pastor at that time really delegated most of that responsibility to our executive pastor, Pastor Rich Rollins and Pastor Rollins primarily managed staff and Philip managed the pulpit and the oversight of the elders well do we still have an executive pastor? yes are we still managing the day to day affairs of the staff yes now are we doing it as effectively as Rich Rollins or even me in the middle because I was in the middle I was the sandwich I was the cream and the Oreo cookie Um, the best part right the six year part right in the middle Um, but I have to say under God we all do our best but the same structure that has always been in place since the 90s is still in place and we, not, we shouldn't go to bed stressed. We're still being watched over by our chief shepherd. And we still have the same bodies that are trying to shepherd and guide the church. Does that mean we don't have more to do? Oh, sure. We have more to do. But let's just cover that. The second piece comes, I think, in um, our pastoring. After much prayer and multiple meetings and sought counsel and thoughtful consideration, the elders really believe that God would have Valley continue in our use of a preaching team uh, with some enhancements and enhancements that would include the addition of one or more associate pastors to the team. We need pastoral help. I don't know if anybody would deny that, but I believe we need pastoral help. Um, We're not going to be uh, using the model of hiring through Vanderblumen or hiring an outside consultant we're not doing that we're going to be moving forward seeking God's men and I would ask you that we're already in the process of seeking some men and we would ask you to pray please pray that God would bring the right people that God would make clear these are the right people and that he would meet the needs of Valley Bible Church through the people he brings we need your prayers Uh, But while this is a model different from what our prior model had been with a lead or a senior pastor, I think there's three benefits of this as well. Uh, One is because no matter which pastor may come or go, because God has called them to another ministry or anything else, the remaining pastors and preaching team members who are already familiar to their congregation will continue to preach the word without interruption And God will still be glorified in the pulpit. The second reason, I think it's important also, is we want to hire pastors that want to pastor, not just preach. We need pastors that will pastor. And we think if we have more people on our staff that are pastors... We can extend the reach of our pastoral care, of our counseling, of our teaching through all the adults of this ministry in a more effective and a better way. That's why we want more associate pastors for this preaching team. Third reason, I think, is uh, we think that God it will allow for a process where God can raise up a person before us and for the congregation as one who might deserve greater leadership God might be bringing to our midst a person as an associate that would be distinguished by God in front of us and you that says this person deserves to be put up as a lead and, you, and there would be no doubt in the congregation or to the elders that that was true we want to have a, as it were a, a group of men that are serving that are pastoring that are preaching, that God could draw up, just like Joseph who rose up in the prison. All of a sudden, he's in charge. Why? Because he went in and says, I'm in charge? No. God distinguished him. We want God to distinguish this pastor. And we think by having more pastors available to be distinguished, it will be a help to this church. Well, that's fine. Uh, Lastly, I think there's something that's really important to us. Um, We believe we're far enough through this COVID um, crisis, uh, and we want you to know we're anxious or elated that we're going to be reinstating our fifth Sunday fellowship evenings. Now, for those that don't know what that is, four months a year, there has five Sundays in that month. On the evenings of those Sundays, we're going to come to here. Uh, to meet, to worship, to pray, to fellowship. But in addition to our planned meals and worship, we want these gatherings to be used as opportunities for us as elders to connect with you, the body of Christ. And then we can keep you all informed what we have on our hearts, our thoughts, our plans, our ideas, and also for you to ask questions if you have any. So four times a year we'll be able to answer any of your questions. We want to be a transparent group with you We're not the brain trust of the church world. We're just men trying to serve our Jesus. And we want to be clear with you. This is where we believe God wants us to go. And you can ask any questions you like. And we think that's important to have transparency between us and every member of this congregation. Uh, We love you. And we want you to know know it is not just a joy but a privilege to be used of the Lord Jesus as an under-shepherd to help lead and shepherd the flock here at Valley. Please continue to pray for us and for this church that God's plans for Valley would be what we realize in 2022 and every year following. We want God's plans to be on display. So I'm going to pray and release us. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the joy that you give us, for the assurance that you give us, for the clarity that you give us, that we didn't birth ourselves. You acted out of your sovereign grace, kindness, and love, and had mercy on us. And so we thank you that we're all brothers and sisters on a level playing field. There's no one proud. There's no one cocky, because Jesus gets all the glory. And Father, I thank you too that you've emboldened us, sealed us, secured us, kept us safe for the journey home. Would you use this church, use these meetings, use these upcoming sessions to let us unify this church, that we might be unified by the word of God and by the spirit of God, not by the constructs of men. We love you. We want to serve you. Would you send us forth with your grace and with your joy to the week ahead?